expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. I'm looking at a glass of good Irish ale, clasped firmly in the hand that wrote up from ignorance. Hi, Joe. For those of you who want to call Talk Radio, the number is 555-1776. I'm Carol Hemingway. My guest, Joe Devlin, poet, entertainer, autobiographer, rock on tour. And infamous jailbird. <laughs> Joe, you were only 14. Fresh as a daisy. So was the dynamite. What were you going to blow up? England. <laughs> Modest aim. All of it, why? Because it was there. And I was Irish. You're still Irish, Joe. Ah, but of a different hue, Carol. Nonviolent? Violently. <laughs> a famous Irish philosopher named George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel once wrote that the essence of tragedy isn't the conflict of right and wrong, it's the conflict of right and Look, right. Can we get some music? Present bloodletting in Ulster. Good morning, London. It's Thursday, March 25th, 2010. I'm Bob Metz. I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. Where we will be with you from now till noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into colour Colour into black and white Under the clothes, Everything will be alright and welcome to the show today, where, as always, the phone number to call is 519-661-3600 if you want to join in on conversation today. And today's theme is going to upset a few people because I call it In Praise of Ann Coulter, who, by the way, appeared on this show just two weeks ago on March 11th. And what it turned out to be, Robert... An exclusive radio interview. Actually, in I was Canada. We, we were very lucky to have her. Um, I don't know that it's all luck. We're going to find out about why we actually got very that. Very fortunate interview. to have her. How's we that? were fortunate, yes. And I don't know what all the reasons are yet, but we're going to get some hints about why that was or why that is a little later on. And um, of course, um, she also came to Canada. The only other person interviewing her in a, in, a, in a lengthy interview was Michael Corn, who got the exclusive television interview in Canada. And we'll be hearing some clips from that interview later on in the show. A couple of days ago, I was asked by uh, Sean Array over on CJBK AM 1290 Radio, who was kind enough, by the way, to allow me to give both CHRW and, and our website a plug on her show. You know? Thanks, Sean. Yeah, it's nice. Um, I should mention, especially since I'm going to pick on her later on in the show today, but um, she asked me how we managed to get an exclusive interview with Coulter when, when Canada Press and much of the other media were not granted interviews by, by Coulter's handlers. And by the way, you'll be able to hear this conversation yourself and all the other side issues, some of the, the commentaries of other talk show hosts in the city. We'll be posting them to our site later on, within the next day or two. I think most people mm -hmm. will see them up in addition to today's show being archived. Now, I told Shauna that I really didn't know, even though I have certain suspicions why we got the, the interview. I do expect to get the whole story later on after Coulter's Canadian tour wraps up in Calgary, which happens to be tonight. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Calgary, where there seems to be a different picture shaping up than what recently just happened in Ottawa. However, I think one or two of her considerations as to who gets an interview were touched upon in Tuesday's CTS television with Michael Corrin, who had an exclusive uh, interview with her on Tuesday while Corrin's in Canada. And when we interviewed her two weeks ago, of course, she was still in the United States. 
Um, yes. And that was part of the problem of getting a hold of her that day. Um, we were always working through third parties and, you know, passing messages, like passing the note down the line kind of thing. We'll be hearing some selected clips from Corin's interview later in the show, but I highly recommend you watch the entire interview if you can. And you can access it on www.ctstv.com. And you can hear our interview with Ann Coulter for yourself at www.justrightmedia.org. Listen to it for yourself. And I think what you'll hear is a lot of disagreement, debate, a few laughs, a few shots at each other. I think she took a couple of unfair shots at me, actually, but, you know, women never understand me anyway. (laughs) Uh, But we all seem to have the ability to agree to disagree on any points that we didn't see eye to eye on. You might find it interesting to know that until Anne and I first spoke to each other on this show, we'd never once talked to her before, have we? No, it was no. the first time we even talked. And, and it was an interesting um, um, discussion. I'm still sort of getting over it because <laughs> it didn't go the way I expected. We found ourselves at odds on certain issues, but I found her very comfortable to talk to. Oh, yes, very much so. And she's actually quite a pleasant person to talk to, I thought. Even when we, we actually went to her speech. Yes, we'll be talking night. about that in a moment. Yeah, and she was actually quite am- amiable there. And I don't know what the fuss is about, to tell you the truth. Well, actually, I do, but you, you we'll do. get into that we'll too. We'll get into that later, of course. <laughs> you know, it's funny. As the opening clip sort of hinted, everybody believes they're right. You know, everybody. It's the nature of opinion. If I have an opinion, I believe I'm right. If you have an opinion, I believe you're, or you believe you're right, right? Mm-hmm. God's on my side. That's right. And, but in a rational society, the arbiter of what's right is basically reality itself. And the method of determining whose opinion is right or wrong is accomplished by reason. And you have to have freedom to be able to follow that process. In an irrational society, the arbiter is force, intimidation, evasion, censorship, intolerance, and claims of moral and intellectual superiority. And, uh, Anne, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not apologizing for Canadians. They don't deserve it, the ones that did this to you, because I think you've been treated very unjustly in this regard, even though we have strong disagreements on certain issues. Uh, it's funny, Anne Coulter's presence in Canada has, quote, raised the issue of free speech. You know, I keep hearing that's what the media is focusing on. That's actually their way of getting off, get, getting away, get, getting out of their major responsibility, and that's dealing with the ideas that she's bringing to Canada. Uh, you know, her, her, her presence in Canada, I don't think, raised the issue of free speech. I think it raised the issue of intolerance on the left. That's the issue. And of the shameful defense of free speech given by most of Canada's broadcasters. It's just shameful what, what half of them are saying, you know. They all say, oh, I believe in free speech, up to a point. As a matter of fact, if you look at today's London Free Press, there's an editorial there by Paul Burton and... Um by the way, Robert, I haven't seen a single newspaper on this whole issue yet. I've, everything oh, I've done, and I'll be uh, getting all them all later. Over the last 24 hours is reading about Ann Coulter. Yeah. But Paul Burton's editorial today is a classic example, Bob, of speaking out of both sides of your mouth. Well, He said, <laughs> freedom of expression is enshrined in the Canadian Charters of, Charter of Rights. Without such freedoms, the country would be in a darker place. If our comments veer into hate... We have laws for that, too. (laughs) First of all, Paul, there is no right enshrined in the Constitution as long as we have Section 1, which allows any right to be thrown out by the courts at a whim. And second, apparently what Paul is calling, uh, calls veering into hate, is not free speech. His ignorance as a member of the press is totally indicative of why we do not have free speech in Canada. When the press itself cannot define it or understand it, what chance do we have that we'll ever have it? That's exactly my feeling about it. I was just disgusted. The only person that really surprised me <laughs> in a real positive way was Jim Chapman. 
Excellent, and, yeah. And uh, Jim's show was he went on a rant yesterday, and I said, "Good for you, Jim." And um, actually, dared to say there may be appropriate times to use violence, and that's something I want to explore later on in the show. Not not to to initiate it, but mm-hmm. you know, to actually say, "Look, you can't just be using force and intimidation and get away with it all the time." Um, you know, with all this talking about, uh, you know, free speech up to a point, you know, there is no point. That point is no free speech. <laughs> the sounds of silence, you know, hello darkness, my old friend, right? And that's what they want is darkness and silence and nothing. In a free society, freedom of speech is a given. It is an absolute. I found myself trying to explain this to various radio broadcasters. I did it on the air. I was calling around all over the place. Well, you know that it has limitations, but they're reasonable ones. No, it doesn't, Robert. Actually, I'm going to get into that too, Bob, and I'll tell you why it is. Why? Well, I can get right right into it now. Um, The limit of any speech is reality. The limit of any speech is the truth. And it's demonstrated in libel and slander no, laws. No, that, that determines the validity of the speech, not the limit of the freedom to express it. You oh, say no, no, if no, I no, say hey, Martians, let me continue. Martians no, no, that's fine. Let me continue. Right? But what, I'm, but what I'm saying the limit is are the consequences of your speech. Not that you can't say it. You can say it and be totally wrong. But you have to be held accountable for what you say. And if you're libeling or slandering, slandering somebody and it's untrue about an individual, and that individual should be compensated for the demonstrable wrong that you've caused them. Okay, there's my dis- dis- disagreement with you right there. Libel and slander do not fall under any issues of freedom of speech. Okay, well, I'm going to disagree with you. Um, I know you have, you're going to say, yeah, you have the freedom to, to libel someone and slander them, and then it's sure. up to them to take action. Is that yeah, your then, argument? Then you have, to, you have to face the consequences. Well, uh, there I would agree. Much like if you incite a riot, you're responsible for the riot, and you must pay the consequences. If you advocate treason and the violent overthrow of your government. Be prepared to face the consequences. Nobody's saying you can't say those things. They're saying that you just better face the consequences of it. However, now this is where we get into Ann Coulter. If so-called hate speech, what you're responsible for is an emotion. Not action, emotion. You may or may not have caused someone to feel an emotion, and more often than not, in the true Orwellian liberal fashion, what they label as hate speech may not even elicit hate at all, but elicit thought. Yes. And thought is something that the left cares little for. Unless, of course, it's a thought that they have come up with and that you must agree with. But anyway, that's, that's my definition of any limitation on free speech is the consequences of reality. Um, you lie, you take the consequences. Well, yeah, of course. You can't and, evade the truth. But that's not about free speech. That's just about the consequences of your actions. What you say has nothing to do with what you do, necessarily. But these arguments are always coming up when somebody says that we, have, we don't have free speech in the country because you can't shout fire in a, in a, um, in a crowded theater. Well, course, actually, you can crowd, shout fire in a crowded yes. theater, but reality will catch up to you when everybody rushes for the door and they all die. Ah, I made the exact opposite point on one of the other radio stations. Was that right? And he gave me the same stupid example he just gave me, fire in a crowded theater. I said, if there's a fire in that theater, I have a moral obligation to scream fire. I would have thought so too, you know. Yes, and the problem is, and everybody, and and there I agree with your premise that it's it's the reality of the situation that determines whether the freedom of speech was exercised responsibly or not. I can yell fire in a crowded theater. If it's not a fire, then I have misrepresented. It's fraud. I could have caused damage to people. That's right. The truth will win out in that situation. And I think that's where we're agreeing, but I think it's dangerous to say that there are limits on free speech because it's like freedom itself. People say, oh, you're free up to a point. Yeah, up to a point where you're not free. Yeah. I have freedom of speech up to a point where you don't have freedom of speech. 
End of story. And that means absolutely. It does not mean but that's what that I'm you're talking not about to be held responsible. Laws. That's what I'm talking about with libel laws. Libel. My, my, my reality, Robert, is my reputation... Robert, has libel anything to do with Ann Coulter or any other? No, it has to do with free speech, though. Of but, course it does. Well, I agree, of but Of course geez. it does. Because <laughs> no, you just said that freedom of speech ends at my rights, and my rights to the truth about me is where it stops, and that's called libel laws. That's called slander laws. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you there. Okay. Okay, Let's move but, on but I don't consider libel and slander as part of free speech. I think free speech is about almost anything else, and certainly about opinions and about your feelings. And um, But anyways, I guess the whole issue is what actually happened at UWO the other night. You and I were both there. Mm-hmm. Before we relate our experiences and some of the things uh, that people heard, heard there, I want to just step away for, for a clip here that's uh, very interesting, and, and since it follows right into the next subject we'll be dealing with. And what you're about to hear in this clip is um, basically the introductory part uh, on, uh, of, of uh, Michael Corrin's show, which was aired on Tuesday the 23rd, and in which he introduces Ann Coulter. And what's interesting to know about this clip, bear in mind that this clip was aired just a few hours before um, the incident in Ottawa. Okay, and it's inter- interesting because they were kind of predicting what might happen. On the other side of the bumper, what we'll be hearing is a channel, CFPL's um, news coverage of the Ottawa cancellation that was also aired on the same day, that night, in fact, at 11 o'clock. And it's an interesting story just in and of itself. And we'll be back right after this. Ann Coulter on the show, exclusive one-hour interview with someone who uh, many uh, believe should not be allowed into Canada. We value our freedom, our liberty uh, so very much in this country. Certain people shouldn't be allowed in. Well, she's here and she's speaking at various universities and welcome to you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Is it really though? Is it? Uh, yes, it is. Um, though I, I was hoping more for a fruit basket and not a threat to criminally prosecute. Oh well, welcome to Canada. Well, let's talk about that because the, the, one of the vice presidents at the University of Ottawa, uh, one of the three universities where, where you're speaking, wrote to you before you'd set foot in Canada and yes. effectively threatened, we could say warm, but I would say really threatened implicitly, that if you say anything a bit too controversial, you'll be charged with a criminal offence. Yes, yes. Um, so, I am Ann Coulter, a victim of a hate crime. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize what um, the detail, um, how, how liberal the law is on what constitutes a hate crime, but having read his description of it, I realized that letter constitutes a hate crime against me, because what he is doing here is is assuming that I have some sort of proclivity to commit crimes. Mm -hmm. Um, He's put it in writing. Why is he doing that? Because I'm part of an identifiable group, conservatives. Does he send that letter to everyone? Because I'm going to file a complaint with the Human Rights Commission and have them investigate, because unless every speaker at the university gets that letter, he he is engaging in very, not only offensive speech, because of an identical group I belong to, conservatives, um, he's actually putting me at risk of violence. I speak on college campuses all the time, and I am constantly um, attacked violently. I travel with a bodyguard. Does the provost travel with a bodyguard? I don't think so. No, that letter is putting me at risk of violence besides, besides uh, creating hatred toward me on the basis of what? On the basis of my belonging to an identifiable group. I am a conservative. If this law means anything, he has committed a hate crime against me. Let's give him some publicity. I think he deserves it. Uh, Francois Hull is his name. He's um, uh, Vice President, Academic and Provost, University of Ottawa, publicly funded. This letter was, was sent out on Sunday evening, I believe. It went on to the various blogs, including mine, and many people were commenting on it. Of course, those people who support Ann Coulter saying it's awful, but this is what I, I found very interesting. Many people who disagree with us saying this is dreadful. 
How can you threaten someone and there is an implicit threat of criminal prosecution if you offend someone? And by the way, there is, he has no idea what my speech is about. This is for a speech I haven't given yet. I've given no hint of, oh, it's about political correctness. That's it. He just thinks that conservatives, when they open their mouths, they are going to offend. Well, that is an offensive statement itself. And by the way, it also throws down the gauntlet because now if I don't get arrested, I'm kind of a wuss. You won't be arrested. I, I can guarantee you this guy has now been told, why did you do that? Don't you dare go near this person. Don't arrest. It would look so bad. Well, I, you seem awfully confident yeah. about that. I don't know that Mark Stein would be that confident. They went after him. Yeah. Um, they went after Ezra Levant, who's introducing me. Uh, I'm new to this country, but you seem a little more confident about this than I am. I, I only request that if they do arrest me, please send those Canadian Royal Mounted Police, because they are so cool. the flames of controversy in London last night, right-wing American commentator Ann Coulter's Ottawa appearance was cancelled at the last minute tonight. Officials at the University of Ottawa called the event off after demonstrations outside. Brian Bicknell joins us with the details. Brian. Well, Tara, Ann Coulter spent the day fielding questions about her racially charged confrontation with a UWO student last night. Tonight, fears of violence caused sponsors to scrub the Ottawa event. This was the scene at the University of Ottawa tonight, after a spokesman for the group sponsoring Ann Coulter's speaking engagement announced the American right-wing commentator would not be appearing. The police and the security have advised that it would be physically dangerous for Ann Coulter to proceed with this event and for others to come in. Fears of violence were raised after 2,000 people gathered outside the venue to protest Coulter's presence. Coulter sparked controversy Monday while speaking at the University of Western Ontario. She told the 17-year-old Muslim student to take a camel instead of a flying carpet she previously suggested Muslims use for transportation. What mode of transportation? Take a camel! <laughs> Coulter is visiting Canadian universities on a book tour. Last week she received a preemptive caution about the limits of free speech in Canada from the provost of the University of Ottawa warning her with a veiled threat that she could be charged with a criminal offense if she didn't, quote, restrain her comments. Yeah. And Coulter's final stop on her Canadian tour is scheduled for the University of Calgary on Thursday. And we'll Tara. see how she's received there. Thanks a lot, Brian. And welcome back. You're listening to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM with Robert Vaughn and myself, Bob Metz, talking about Ann Coulter, who was a guest on this show two weeks ago and has been touring Canada in, in, in a book, uh, book-selling book tour, I guess is what you want to call it, all about freedom of speech, oddly enough, isn't it? We were at the meeting the other night, Robert. Yes, we were. What did you see there? 
I thought it was very, uh, very interesting, Bob. First of all, Ann Coulter's speech was all about how liberals can get away with saying anything they want to. If a conservative opens his mouth and says the exact same thing, they're vilified. That's exactly right. And that's, that's, that was her speech. But I found Ezra Levant's speech to be a rabble-rousing great speech where he actually praised the left and the right for coming together, being peaceful at the at the event, yes, and the, allowing the, free speech to occur. The university event, by the way, was completely UWO. I mean, here, UWO, here where we yes. are, uh, was completely peaceful, completely well behaved, even with the ruckusness. That stuff's normal at a meeting, folks. Oh, sure, you, you should. I mean, a freedom party meeting with us guys together, we're yelling and throwing stuff at <laughs> well, each other. Well, here, here's a little <laughs> bit of a snippet for you, Bob. When I went to university, and I went to university Memorial University, and Pierre Trudeau came. And oh, yeah. uh, myself and a friend of mine, just just out of the blue, said, hey, let's go up and watch Peter Trudeau there. And we heckled him <laughs> just for something to do. It was a bit of a lark. You know, it was not, not meant to be uh, uh, to, to prevent him from speaking or anything like that. It was just, and it was just out of immaturity. But you grow up. You know, but these, these yeah, but students... not when you were there. Eh? You did it now. You grew up now, not then. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's what the maturation That's process the problem, is all about. You know, Ezra Levant had, uh, he made some wonderful points there, didn't he? I thought he, he, did. he, uh, he, um, I like what he said about the three reasons to be against censorship, and they were very practical reasons. He says, one, I want to know who the bad guys are. And that's exactly, I've said that before. I said, please don't censor the bad guys, because then I don't know who they are. You have to hear their their opinions. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you might end up getting involved with them, never knowing that they're the bad guys. And that can happen, especially if you're in politics, let me tell you. So it was also, a, you know, it presents a teachable moment when you're, when you're engaged in debate and things like that. And, and the third point he made was, he said, well, how dare you contract yourself out to government if you, you know, if you disagree with someone? You don't go to the government and contract out a hit, hit man, right? And he says, use your own personal moral capital. And this was an extraordinarily important point. He says, history shows that free speech is the only tool available to those with no power. And uh, don't we know all about that, eh? (laughs) And I love this one, too. Not every offensive idea is a good one, but every good idea is offensive to some. Ann Coulter ended her speech, her last words at that before the Q&A period were... If I haven't, if I've offended you, I've done my job. That's right. My job here is done, that's and that's exactly that right. is her intent. We'll we'll hear. We'll, that's true. But remember what she said at the beginning, hmm. and this to me is the real lesson of of all of this and the demonstration of everything she's saying. Quote: Political correctness is purely about power. It's not about being offended, or about being correct. No, nothing, none <laughs> of those things. All about power, right. and so. You know, this whole big event, you know, or this this um, incident, let us say, about the 17-year-old student of this university who who defined herself as a Muslim, and asked, "Should I be converted to Christianity?" And she says, second of all, since I don't have a magic carpet, what other modes do you suggest?" As I read the quote here out of this news, newspaper clipping, and uh, Fatima Al Daher, a political science student, was uh, the one who said this to loud and sustained applause. And, you know, as to whether she should be converted to Christianity, I kind of wish everyone would be converted to, er, to rationality. But, um, Some sort of conversion yes, needs to go on. Yes, but Fatima's not the only person Ann Coulter's trying to convert to Christianity. It was the same thing she's doing to me when, when we were here on the show. Oh, sure, yeah. She was accusing me of being an atheist, and, and we were having this argument about, you know, whether or not I can be a, a, you know, a good person without believing in God and all this stuff. And, and we got into that debate, and... Uh, 
you know, there's a huge disagreement between us, but mm-hmm. I'm sitting back and I'm watching the, this person arguing to Ann Coulter saying the same thing. So what she's doing is she's playing the race card or the religious card, saying, yeah, you can convert Bob, try to convert Bob Metz all you want, but don't try and do it to me. Right. I'm immune. Also, she was implying right. that uh, Ann Coulter used force to convert her, and Ann Coulter was saying, where did you get that idea? She talks about that Where on one of the clips. Where did you get that idea? It was never suggesting no. to use force to convert people. That's She's... A, another <laughs> false understanding of everything she said. Now, here's the interesting thing. I was talking about this young lady on another radio station on CJBK earlier this week, and I was talking to Andy Udman. And during the conversation, he informs me about efforts being made to conceal online evidence of this, quote, Muslim girl's connection to websites that hate Israel and to pro-Palestinian activism. I never knew that. I didn't know that either until he told me that, and I haven't looked it up yet. I did notice and that I she, will... was, she was reading her question from her oh, Blackberry. Well. So in other words, somebody was feeding her the, uh, the question, apparently. Yes. And uh, so, you know, that, that was kind of a, a revelation. But I said, well, that just goes to show you it's very consistent. You don't usually see people getting up and doing the kinds of things, all these quote-unquote spontaneous reactions you see in As the media. As a matter of fact, did they you see so the rabble rouser there? There was a guy sitting in the middle of the auditorium there, who, which held 800 oh. people, and he was stood in the middle. And whenever, whenever he heard somebody boo in the background, he would stand up and he'd uh, turn around and he'd try to orchestrate the booing by going boo, boo, boo. And then he would sit down because nobody was following his lead. <laughs> yes, he, was, he looked really goofy doing so it, stupid. too. I looked around and go, oh my god, you know, my face is turning red for him because he's looking so goofy. But it's interesting to hear how, you know, all the, all the people have reacted to this. Um, violence is a non-issue, and it's really fascinating that this whole thing is about blaming the victim. Literally. Think about this. All our officials, all, everyone is blaming Ann Coulter for the violence and the intolerance of her opponents. She's the one who gets blamed. All she did was Isn't stand that, up and know, say some words. That's like, uh, that's like uh, blaming a gun for killing somebody and not blaming the person who pulled the trigger. Exactly. And it's literally that. And, you know, her opponents are those of, you know, among us who cannot agree to disagree. And it's just amazing um, how pitiful it is. You know, you sit there and, and, and you, I, can, I could really feel for Ann Coulter's frustration with some of the questions she was getting at the university. They were really dumb oh, and unanswerable. And also a reflection um, of the, uh, the lack of intelligence of some of the students well, was, just, was just glaring. And see, there's where Coulter is in a tremendous disadvantage. Everybody calls her stupid and everything, but when she explains herself, you will hear her reasons for what she thinks. There was one interesting question there, Bob. Do you remember the guy who stood up and said, I'm trying to get a handle on the difference between free speech and hate speech? A sincere question, Mm -hmm. even though, you know... And um, Coulter was actually incredulous. She says, that's like asking the difference between a dog and a beagle. In other words, hate speech is a subset of free speech. Yes. You have to be allowed to have hate speech, otherwise you have no free speech. I think I've heard that the whole notion of being of having a difference was different like, categories. I can't believe of speech. you're saying that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and I think a lot of the people in the crowd didn't understand her. They literally did not understand her. When they said answer the question, she already had answered uh, oh, yes. answered the question. She yeah. answered it very detailed. All all her whole detail about um, what the Christians did. We'll be hearing that again. I don't agree with a lot of it, okay? But she answered it. Yes. And the only part she didn't answer was the stupid part about the camel. And so she gave him the camel thing because, you know, it was it was like, you know, how many times did you beat your wife this week? One of those questions, right? Yeah. And so what mode of transportation? I asked this of everybody else, too, all the other media. I said, well, how would you have answered that question? What mode of transportation should I take, right? right. Everybody evaded it. Ann Coulter did not. No, she it, answered was, it, it was a 
flippant question, yep. and she got a flippant response, and, and she, she deserved, deserved it. it. Thank you. Uh, going to take a break now. We're going to hear a little bit more from Ann Coulter and Michael Korn. Um, interesting about uh, what she thinks about agreeing with people. And on the other side of the bumper, we're going to hear a little hint about maybe why, one of the reasons why we might have gotten uh, the interview that we did. But we'll be coming back after this break. There's a context to this, this person's letter because two weeks ago we had Israel Apartheid Week. Now I personally believe, as I find that completely oxymoronic and dumb, but they have a right to do it. But we had Israel Apartheid Week. We've had Christians called um, bigoted, homophobic looms, uh, pro-lifers have been threatened, Jewish kids frightened of identifying themselves. All of this within Canadian universities. Right. But you've been told if you say anything offensive it could result in a criminal prosecution. Rather inconsistent. Not only inconsistent, but as I say, ironically, accusing me of having criminal proclivities in a letter that had to be sent to the sponsors, to my host, to the Claire Booth Luce Institute. There are a dozen people who read that letter before it gets to me, accusing me of having criminal proclivities for a speech I haven't delivered yet. There's been no hint of what I'm going to say, other than that it's generally a speech on political correctness. Now, why do you think this person would um, assume you will be controversial? Are you a controversial person? Um, no, and by the way, I wanted to take issue with your introduction that you don't have to agree with Ann Coulter. Yes, you do. <laughs> what no, do I say don't. that no. anyone wouldn't agree with? Let's take it point by point, because if you don't agree, you're going to. <laughs> Healthcare reform, I rather support it. Let's not get on to that. But no, the, the, the point being that... It, <laughs> so it, do it, I, but I have a different kind of a reform. <laughs> in, 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 any, in any civilized society, freedom of, of expression, disagreeing with what we do on this show, the idea that one side of, of, of opinion, one side of the spectrum should be silenced, is incredibly offensive. And of course, if the right had the power, how would the left react if we told the left, you can't say anything anymore? Yeah, no, we wouldn't. We'd love to hear them talk. <laughs> There's nothing funnier. <laughs> Please, talk. I want to talk about being controversial because uh, I'm not in your league, but I hear this said about me sometimes, and I say, well, controversial according to whom? You mean you disagree with me, but in, in what way am I controversial? That is exactly right. You have phrased it exactly, exactly right. Controversial means you're a conservative. That's what it means. Have you ever been provocative for its own sake? I hope in everything I say. I mean, what are, you, what are you doing if you're a speaker or a writer and you're, trying, you're in the world of ideas trying to persuade people of something? Yes, you're trying to provoke people to think. If I'm just saying, I don't know, the sun rises in the east, that's maybe true, but it's not particularly interesting. Of course you are provoking thought. That is what a polemicist is. Um, so I would hope everything I say is provocative in that sense. Ever said anything that... Uh a month later, a week later, even a moment later, you thought, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. Yeah, I said something nice about a Democrat once. Refer to certain countries how we should occupy, forcibly convert to Christianity. If you, indeed you said this, because I know no. that misquotations that take place. No, no forcibly involved. Uh, what did that you say? what got inserted, and by the, I was just telling you off camera. Um, there are a lot of media requests while I'm up here, and the one, the one sort of insistence I have um, is that it be live TV yeah. because of. I mean, this used to be very big in the United States where they'd interview you, um, 60 Minutes was famous for its ambush interviews. They'd interview someone for an hour, then pull 20 seconds of quotes. Well, they can change the question for what's being answered. I mean, they were just, it was, 
It was just shockingly deceptive. And of course, when you talk to a reporter on the phone or sitting down at lunch, they can make up anything. If they were in your presence or if they were on the phone with you, they can say anything. Um, live TV, uh, I'm a lot happier with the results. It's hard to screw that up. Um, um, but as for the forcible conversion, no, of course I never said that. It was my famous 9-11 column. It was written the night of the attack on the United States. I was in New York. In fact, I was stuck in Queens. You couldn't get back into Manhattan. Um, and at the end of the column, writing about the attack that had just occurred on my country and to my fellow countrymen, um, the, 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 the final point was we're not at war with the country. Um, we're at war with all of the people singing and dancing in the streets right now. I don't know if you remember that, but there were photos not only within the United States or not only, you know, in barbaric foreign lands, but also within the United States um, of people cheering at the at the slaughter of 3000 Americans. And I said this this the idea is this is much bigger than a single country. This is not Japan flying in with Japanese airplanes and the Japanese flag on the airplane where we can go to war with the country. I said, we are at war with all these fanatics and we should invade their countries, kill their leaders and convert them to Christianity. Um, it's, it's interesting that forcibly just kept getting slipped in the restatements of that. But you know, if, the, if what I said was the same, then you know, go with what I said. How about that? You know, they always do this. Well, I, I paraphrase, but that's kind of what you said. Well, if you're paraphrasing, go with what I said. Because, um, I mean, I think this is just a testament to, to the pathetic public school education. That is precisely what we did after World War II and after the Korean War. So don't, don't get pissy with me. Get, get pissy with FDR, I guess. Um, after, after Japan, um, MacArthur put out a call to, to, uh, for Christian missionaries. The emperor said to MacArthur, okay, we're ready, convert us. And MacArthur said, well, we don't really do it that way. But he put out a call for Christian missionaries to come to Japan, and they poured in. And they are still operating there today. It didn't take very much in Japan, but Japan does have a lot of religious freedom. Same thing after the Korean War. It's not done at the end of a gun, but it's done. Christian missionaries poured into uh, South Korea. And, and by the way, go look at in any American college yearbook at the Campus Christian Society. Half of them are Koreans. Some people would argue, you know, that Iraqi Christians suffer far more now since the war than they did under Saddam Hussein. That some of the most radical uh, uh, people in the Palestinian resistance movement are Christian. That there are many uh, Christians in Syria who support the Assad regime. Well, Christians throughout history, and I mean, nobody would deny that a lot of Christians, Christians have done bad things. That's the thing about original mm -hmm, sin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm saying it, it doesn't guarantee but, being pro-Western, being Christian. Um, it generally guarantees a much higher level of of freedom of fairness of of a democracy i i i i admit this may be um more foreign to a canadian viewer than it ought to be to an to an american viewer but but I mean, America is a country that was founded by Christians. That is a fact. And liberals can be, can be pouty about it, but that is a fact. Um, maybe, you know, it could have been founded by Buddhists, but it wasn't. Um, and it was because of the Christian concepts of no man being, being above another man. We're all equal before God. That is what leads to the American Revolution, that you can't have a king, you can't have royalty. That is the whole point of the Declaration of Independence. That is the whole point of the Constitution. And that is what has led to the freedom and prosperity of the United States of America up until last 
last night's health care vote. <laughs> last night's health care vote. It's all over now. <laughs> uh, welcome back. You're listening to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. You know, it's interesting that Ann Coulter, I, I agreed with that set of values she, she placed at the end of that statement there, but not with her reasoning of getting there. Although there's a yeah. lot of half-truths and all sorts of stuff mixed in there. Well, there's an and she's making the same mistake that she blamed the left for making mm. when what we just talked about, uh, hate, li- hate speech versus free speech. She's talking about freedom versus religious freedom. Religious freedom is just a subset of freedom. There's no such thing as religious freedom anymore as there is of eating freedom or freedom. sleeping freedom yeah. or <laughs> standing up freedom, you know what I mean? <laughs> An adjective for every motion you can possibly She was actually make. incorrect as well, Bob, when she said the United States was founded by Christians. It was not. It, no. was, found, it was the writer of the Constitution, Thomas Jefferson, was a deist. Uh, John Adams was a theist. Um, a lot of the original founding fathers were Theists or deists, uh, actually, the term is pretty much interchangeable. See, they're, 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 Not necessarily Christians. Yeah, there's, there's the problem with, to me, the whole religious issue and the right. Um, there's a lot of symbolism in religion. And, of course, when religious people get literal about it, it becomes very dangerous. But the symbolism often may represent values that we might share, that reasonable people would share. They just came to you them know, from different Like, paths. who can argue with thou shalt not kill, thou yeah. shalt not steal, which are not, by the way, Christian Yep. Edicts, they're from the Old Testament, hello? Yes. Um, in fact, some may argue that Christ went the other way, so that's an issue. <laughs> Robert, you know, and then, of course, there's this whole issue of, um, what was that word you wanted to define now for us? That- Actually, I was listening to the radio shows recently, you know, MacArthur and Andy and uh, Sean yes. and all that, and a lot of the callers were there saying um, she was satirical or she wasn't satirical. And that got me satire, to thinking, yes. yeah, I'm going to look up that word because I have an, an idea of what satire means, but I looked it up and it and says... lo and behold. In satire, human or individual vices, follies, abuses, or shortcomings are censured by ridicule, derision, burlesque, irony, or other methods, ideally with the intent of improvement. Although satire is usually meant to be funny... Its purpose is often not so much humor for its own sake as an attack on something strongly disapproved by the satirist using the weapon of wit. Now, Ann Coulter is a political satirist. Now, maybe not in the same league as a Will Rogers, but a satirist just the same, perhaps a cross between a John Stewart and a Lenny Bruce. Oh, yeah. But Coulter mentioned this in her talk when she lamented the, the lack of humor in society, suggesting that, do you remember this, Bob? She said newborns must undergo some operation to remove the irony and satire portions <laughs> yes. of their brains. And she was referring to the, 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 the lack of humor that the audience had, or at least part of the audience had, when she made some of the s- silly comments, like, for example, gays aren't allowed to do two things in the United States. One is marry, the other is to throw a baseball, like, you know, the other and one is without looking through, like a woman. Without looking yeah. like a girl, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You know, some people may be offended by it, but it's satire. Definitely, it fits the description. And I think later on, you're going to be... We Remember, oh, 30, 40 years ago, that kind of humor was on mainstream TV all the time. Dean Martin's celebrity roast, Don Rickles. Don mm-hmm. Rickles is a master it at the ethnic common jokes. comedy fair. We're going to hear a bit of that a little later. Yeah. And that's but, all That's all Ann Coulter is. She's a satirist, yes. plain and simple. Now, having cleared that up, I, you know... I was listening to some of the um, media responses uh, to Ann Coulter coming, and I, I was just ashamed of some of the things I was hearing. Um, here were some of the objections, major objections I heard, like Ann Coulter is a nobody. Um, Ann Coulter is selling books, not ideas. Um, 
Now, now remember I, t- I was talking with Shauna Ray earlier on the show. She says, you know, Ann Coulter is not unintelligent, <laughs> but ignorant, mean and rough around the edges, you know. Um, amazing. And then she says, I will probably never listen to any of her commentaries or read any of her books, she proudly boasts. So that's where she gets her opinion of Ann Coulter from. Mm-hmm. That's from the same pool. Yeah, and, and it's Ann Coulter who's ignorant, right? And then in the next sentence, she says, I'm not reading any of her books. Well, okay, mm. then you're totally qualified to, co- to talk about Ann Coulter. Right? And about ignorance. <laughs> and about ignorance, definitely. Uh, Cheryl, uh, listen to Cheryl Miller and um, Dan Brown and, and MacArthur on the round, on table, their round yeah. table a couple of weeks ago, so before Ann Coulter came. I was just stunned at some of the comments around the table. Um, quote, the great thing is she's going home. Nobody thinks she cares about London. Um, Miller says there's a bet going on as to who gets to do the full body search. Um, there was a business. Oh, no, there's ma- a bit of a humor to you, yeah, a sexist well, humor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a. I forget who the businessman was there, but he was resentful of her being American. To bring some of those views here, she has to get her facts straight. And I'll bet you the average Canadian doesn't have half the facts straight about Canada that Coulter would. You know, she gets one thing wrong or says something wrong, which is very easy to do. Yeah. I, I make all sorts of whoever mistakes. Whoever out there is listening, the just, just, just think, who's yeah. your MP? Who's your MPP? Yeah, yeah. Who's the leader of the opposition? Bet what ward you live in? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's, um, oh, Cheryl Miller, Americans don't have facts. Americans. I mean, this is... All 300 million of them. This is nationalism, (laughs) racism, whatever else. You know, you can say whatever you want, but you can't brush people with a stroke like that. Um, MacArthur says Americans don't know anything about anything about what's going on outside their borders, you know, whereas Canadians, of course, don't know what's going on within their borders. And you know why? Because we have political correctness and censorship here, and the reason we have it is to keep us ignorant so that we can keep saying statements like this and condemning people who care about freedom and going after people who, who actually give a crap and then saying that, but but to but to say anything bad about them, whoa, terrible, you know. Uh, Dan Brown and Dan Brown, I usually agree with this guy. I like him. Okay, mm-hmm. Ann Coulter, even in America, is really a nobody. There's no Ann Coulter bill. She hasn't influenced any legislation. If she was really important, she'd be going to Ottawa to meet with Harper, or she'd be coming to this city to meet with Cheryl Miller or with the mayor. All but right. she's not. And like I'm we saying, all had to be politicians. Like, like yeah. And is that what um, Robert F. Kennedy did? Him coming to London, oh, that's okay. But when they, when when Ian Coulter came to theme. London, they, they were going, "Why would she come to a small bit town like London?" Right? Oh, that just shows how unimportant she is. Next day, <laughs> Kennedy's here. Oh, that's an honor. You know, that's exactly <laughs> what her speech was about. It, 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 you can't get away from it. It's so funny. Um, Improving Coulter, correct every time. And, they and, the I, and I, you know, the quote: "The people who get worked up about Coulter are acting as if she matters, and she doesn't in the larger scheme of things." Did she have the ear of the Bush administration? No. Does she have anybody's ear? No. You will see people pro, you know, see, see protesting by people who actually take her seriously, and Coulter doesn't even take what she says seriously. This is the kind of stuff. Not one idea, not one concept, not one thing she actually said. Mm. All I, I was, I was ashamed of them. I, they, they all got notch, notch, notch. I'm going. Oh, is that is that the kind of commentary we're getting from uh, uh, the worst? The worst of it I heard on Fox News last night. They chose Susan G. Cole, senior entertainment editor of Now Magazine of Toronto, as a representative Canadian to explain why we don't have free speech in Canada. And she said, diversity and equity are the things which drive our political culture, not freedoms, not rugged individualism, not free speech. It's different. And for us, it works, she said. That's a quote. Of course, this is damning evidence of the ultimate goal of the left. And and that that is the abolishment of freedom, 
individualism, rugged or otherwise, and free speech. She's advocating the opposite then. It only stands to reason. Instead of freedom, she's advocating slavery. Instead of individualism, groupism. Instead of free speech, left speech. She went on to suggest that Coulter should have uh, chosen to speak anywhere but at a university campus, where apparently free speech has been replaced by diversity. And by diversity, she means anyone but white, male, and English. Yeah, in other words, no diversity. Right. Peter, Wor <laughs> Peter Worthington in the Leonard Free Press today actually um, recalled uh, Lauren Gunter's uh, writing that human, right bodies, human rights bodies, quote, protect only those individuals who are members of groups currently in favor, such as gays, feminists, Muslims, Francophones, and immigrants. Relegating to the back, relegated to the back of the bus are men, Christians, Jews, English speakers, and those of European descent. And some, just some of those comments that Ann Coulter has driven out, say, um, they go back to what Ezra Levant says. Let people speak, because now we know exactly where they stand. That's right. And it's funny you mentioned Susan Cole. I, did, I, was unaware of anything that, I was unaware of anything you just said there, but I did have an actual article by her from Now Magazine, referring to Ann Coulter, in which refer she refers to Coulter as rabid right-winger, extreme, uh, others, you know, Canada's favorite free speech absolutist, take a bow, Ezra Levant, you know, have weighed in uh, to express their outrage at what they call prior restraint. Obviously, she needed the warning, as her speech at Western demonstrated that she knows nothing about Canada or our values. And she knows nothing about freedoms, Ms. Cole. Yeah, <laughs> she knows nothing about Canada or our values either. Mm -hmm. She's changing them to the anti-Canadian values. Yeah, not only that, she says that, oh, Canadians think that, Canadians think this. Wrong. You think that, Ms. Cole, not well, Canadians. Well, well, listen to this. She says, Coulter is not a subtle thinker. She and the gang are carrying on about the, quote, free market of ideas at universities. But nowhere does it say that just because there is a market, every blogger, propagandist, and provocateur has a right to sell themselves on campus. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Oh, my goodness. That, that, that's... Speechless. Uh, speechless. That, that, leaves us, that leaves us speechless. That leaves us speechless. Free or otherwise. But... Um, <laughs> You know, free. This is the same problem with McCarthy. You know, they think that free market, free mind. You know, the two, they're, they're the same thing. You can't have capitalism without freedom of speech. Both of them. Yes. They're both free part of the minds. same thing. It's not like like your 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 personal freedoms are different from your economic freedoms, and and to say that they don't have a right to sell themselves on campus. They're the only ones there that did have the right. Hello, they paid for it. The campus rented them the facilities. That's how you acquire the right. The people who went there to disrupt it should all be locked up. I would have not hesitated to have the, the law use force against them. Somebody, can you imagine, Robert, you and I showing up at the university here this past Monday night to see Ann Coulter, you know, going through the trouble to come out, getting prepared, doing all that, and some jerk who disagrees with us decides we can't go in. Disgraceful. The police yeah. should be called. I would and that walk through arrested. that person. If he strikes me, I'm striking him back. I don't care if he's bigger than me. I don't care if he can kill me. He can go ahead and do that. I'm a real jerk like that, and I've done it before, okay? <laughs> I know you have. <laughs> because, because I just don't put up with that stuff, okay? And, and that's exactly how I feel. It was just uncivilized, brutish, um, ignorant. I, I, I'm so ashamed. That's the I'm problem, so ashamed. Bob. The problem is that so we don't sorry. nip this in the bud. Yeah. That the problem is that we don't nip it in the bud, we don't arrest these people, or, or at least expel them from the universities for preventing people to speak. That's correct. Hey, we've got to take a quick break, and what we're going to hear now is just a little bit touch of the humor. This is nothing compared to what used to go on, but this is, uh, who was it? Don Rickles, Don right? Rickles. And this is like 30 years old. This was a broadcast on NBC originally, and wasn't, wouldn't that, that have been on the, um, 
the Dean Martin celebrity roast oh, or something yeah. like that. This was from a roast of Don yeah. Rickles, I think. Yeah. Oh, they were, oh he, was the, he was the guest, but of course yes. he gets his chance to speak. But, um, and those things were outrageous. They said things on those shows that you just, the most universities wouldn't allow. And this is very mild stuff, comparatively speaking. On the other side of the bumper, a little bit of a closer from Ann Coulter, and then we'll do some closing comments and what we should take away from this. You Irish guys, they don't know anything. You just know how to go to a picnic and take a can of beer and go... <laughs> well, we need the Irish. <laughs> because we ain't going to put out no fire. You can bet on that. Well, isn't it the truth? Get in there, Captain Duffy! Get in there, Quinn! Get that fire out! And the Jewish guys usually outside. More wood, Herbie. More wood. <laughs> and the black man's on the corner going, I bet we get blamed for this, too. And the Polish kid's going, for what? <laughs> Talk about Canada for a while. Uh, there, there are Canadians who think you've been terribly harsh on this great country. <laughs> the notion of America tolerating our existence and maybe one morning waking up and rolling over and smothering Canada. We're a great free autonomous nation. I was cross with Canada at the moment. Um, I, th I, I, I looked up the transcript. I forget the details at the time, and I may post it on my webpage, annecolder.com, because it is a hilarious transcript. It was on Hannity and Combs, and it was, um, it was when Canada, I believe, was objecting vociferously and a little snippily um, to the war in, in Iraq and various other of America's anti-terrorism policies. Um, and um, um, as I've said many times, including in that transcript, the Canadians are either very good or very bad, and they have often been America's friend and an important friend. But after 3,000 Americans were slaughtered on U.S. territory, um, when, when our president, who had just been reelected, by the way, in a, in a democracy, you can't say, oh, we're just condemning Bush, not America. No, American voters had just reelected him. It was right after the 2004 election um, to be caterwauling, and especially with the rest of the world. Um, complaining about our anti-terrorism policies in response to 3,000 Americans being slaughtered on American soil. Yes, I was a little cross with Canada at the moment. <laughs> but Canadians, of course, are, are fighting and dying in Afghanistan. Yes. We have a conservative government now. There's, yes. There'll always be some Canadian who will condemn something the Americans do. Yes, unless it was it's not Barack the same Obama Canada though. then. At this point, uh, it might be conservatives crossing the border. <laughs> <laughs> from America into Canada. So you, <laughs> and even France. Who knew? What a world. No, that's not going to happen. I just knocked the top of my pen. I was so shocked when you said even France. Uh, so you, you're not a Canada hater. You, you realize how wonderful we are up here, apart from our human rights. Um, no, Americans love Canada. One of our presidents, Bill Clinton, served here during Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's very good. I wonder how many complaints there'll be after this show. <laughs> and welcome back to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where you can call it. Actually, it's a little late to call now, but 661-3600 <laughs> yeah. is uh, the number here. And uh, we've only got a few minutes left, but in that time, Bob and I want to conclude the Ann uh, Coulter thing. And I, I found an, uh, an article in the Globe Mail just today, Bob, by Ian Hunter, Professor Emeritus of Law at the University of Western Ontario. Yes. Excellent, excellent article. And uh, just to read a couple of points from there, I think, and sum it up uh, from my perspective as well as Mr. Mm -hmm. Professor Hunter's. He says, quote, our universities can best be understood today as finishing schools in political correctness. 
From pre-kindergarten days, students have been brainwashed by the liberal consensus on all issues, political, moral, and social. The university exists to round off that with a little learning. So, the Ann Coulter saga is neither the first nor the last to expose the corrupt heart of the university. Ms. Coulter has promised to file a human rights complaint over this week's cancellation, portraying herself as a victim of hate speech. Take my advice, Ms. Coulter, says Professor Hunter. Save your breath to co- and cool your porridge. <laughs> Save your breath to cool your porridge. Human rights commissions are not interested in your rights. And finally, he says, um, I feel no sympathy at all for the University of Ottawa. It's ex-politician president, that's Alan Rock. Yeah, isn't his, that interesting? The liberal Alan Rock. Yeah. And his administration, or it's coddled and mostly illiterate students. I do feel sympathy for a handful of professors who try to teach there. That dwindling band who retain a vestigial memory of what a university should be. To them I say, soldier on, retirement beckons. Well done, <laughs> Professor Hunter. Yeah, I, f- I feel the same way about the doctors and nurses in our healthcare system, you know. You could say that about anything the government touches and runs. You know, what are the major lessons that keep being told by experiences like this? I think the biggie is that there's no debate on the left. None. It's just darkness there. They have no ideas, aren't able to defend them, are unable to even express them because they don't, (laughs) you know, unless they they get their isolation from the right. Um, All of the debate is on the right. How many guests have we had on this show who would all be considered on the right? We probably don't agree with any of them. <laughs> you know, Ann Coulter. I mean, not totally. I mean, it's just not as clean a, a, a thing. Um, the right is where all the debate is. And if you want to hear political debate at all, you've got to hear right-wingers debating right-wingers, and you'll hear about ideas. Another thing I learned is it's, very, it's a lot easier to talk about people than it is to talk about ideas. And that's why it's easy to say, oh, Ann Coulter is this, Ann Coulter is that. They criticize her for her ideas. They criticize her for her beauty, for heaven's sake. It's called ad hominem attacks. Yes. And so that way you avoid the things that she's been saying. And the things, you know, if I could read for you on the air the quotes that she quoted from all the left-wing people in the United States, which, by the way, all her criticisms are mostly against America, and here are Canadians hating her because she's an American. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Because she's criticizing the American left, and that's them. The border doesn't exist for lefties. It only exists for us righties, you see. And, of course, the the really big issue, um, political correctness is about power. And it's a weapon to disarm those being attacked by force. Because the left is force. And the left wants to disarm you and attack you and take away your rights. And they want to do it as easily as they can. So they make you uncomfortable about telling that you even recognize you have rights. You know what, a, you know what having a right means? Legally, it means that you have the right to use force to defend what is yours. And that means your life, your, your liberty, liberty, and your and property. Your property. And that was, is what, if you can't use force, if it is not justifiable for you to use force in the defense of those three things, you got nothing. Nothing. You're living on a whim. You're hoping that the people around you won't throw an axe in your back or whatever, but you got nothing to fall back on if you haven't got those things. And uh, if we haven't said something to offend you today, we haven't done our job either. I think that's the issue. You know, I, I'm sick about how the left can't take being offended. Well, try being a right-wing person or a right right, right person. We're, we wake up offended every day. I pick up the London Free Press. Offense, offense, offense. And I, and I mean 
dangerous, dangerous uh, non-ideas. You know, there is no principles or anything on on the left. So. Take it for, take it, you know, again, it comes down, you make up your own mind. I want to say, too, this isn't the end of this issue with Ann Coulter or us here on the station. Uh, I'll give you an advance notice. I happen to know that the organizers of the event will be appearing on the show on a future edition, not immediately. She's still in Canada. They've got a lot of things to wrap up. A little busy now, yeah. Yeah, and um, we're going to hear some interesting inside stories on all this, and that'll be an exclusive to CHRW. But I guess we've got to go now. I'm getting a signal from John, and I, I guess that's it. Let's go, John. And uh, we're out of here. You guys know what to do. Be right, act right, stay right, and keep thinking about these issues. Till next week. See you then. Color it to black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright Mr. Rickles, where do you stand in the Arab-Israeli war? Uh, in the middle. <laughs> no, well, being Jewish, I would take a wild guess and say I'm on the Israeli side. Oh. Uh, I could have been on the Arab side, but who wants to walk around in rags watching your sheep die? Uh, well, I do care. Moshe Diane, who was at my house the other night and could only see one side of the table, uh, kept just having salmon, and there was tuna on the other side. <laughs>